This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcasts from oar.org.nz. Good morning. Um, Thank you for joining me. My name's Kate Bendel. I'm here for you, the listeners, this morning to talk about yoga. Um, And this morning, the show, we're going to talk a little bit about what goes into making and planning a yoga class, because it's one of the things I often get asked from other teachers, but also from students who come back to repeat classes. And it's like, well, how do you decide what you're going to teach? Why is that class? Why are we doing that class now and not before? And I'm also going to share one of uh, my favourite chants with you this morning. Um, Those of you who have listened before know that a big part of my yoga practice these days is Vedic chanting. And some of you may be interested to know that very soon I'm going to put a wait list on my email um, on my website for people who want to learn Vedic chanting. I have one more module to go with Menika Desikachar to complete my teacher training in chanting and then are going to be super excited to offer classes in Dunedin. So before we get too much further into the class, I'm going to begin, it's not a class, it's a show. Before we carry on further into the show, I'm just going to do the chant to the lineage of Krishnamacharya, where I've received all these teachings. And just want to say as I speak that what I'm talking about in these radio shows is not stuff that I can take credit for. It isn't that... I've come up with these ideas. I have no, um, it's not me. I'm passing on what has been passed on to me. Um, yeah, so I just really wanted people to understand that, that this isn't some some kind of cleverness on my part. Um, all it is is being quite a serious and long-term and devoted student. And so I have learned, and it's that that I like to share with you. So I'm just going to do our chant. Shukla Parataram Vishnum Shashivar Nanjatur Pujam Prasanna Vadanandyayeta Sarvavikno Pashantaye Yasyat Viratavak Tradyaha Parishadyaf Parashatam Viknan Niknanti Satatan Vishvakse Nantamashwai Yana Nandamayandevam Nirmalas Patika Kritim Atharam Sarva Vidyanam 
I agree, Vamupasmahi Pundari Kasanathinam Pandura Prendu Sannipam Akanda Bhuta Janakam I agree, Vamupasmahi Guru Pyas that Guru Pyascha Namova Kamati Mahe Rini Mahe Chatatradiao Dampati Jagadampati Sri Krishna Vagi Shayati Swarapyam Samkrapta Chakrankana Pashasaram Sri Nut Narangen Trayatau Samapitaspam Sri Krishna Maryam Guru Vadiyamidhe Virodhe Kathike Masse Shatatara Kritodayam Yogacharyam Krishna Maryam Guru Vadiyamaham Paje Shri Guru Pyo Namaha Harihi Om. So that's the prayers to our lineage. Let's take a look at how do how do the classes get constructed when you turn up at a yoga studio what's gone into the planning of the class that you're going to take so i'm going to speak about how i do it um, what i've been taught how other teachers plan their classes i really have no comment i don't know how they do it um, or what they were taught there is one particular type of yoga um, Ashtanga yoga some of you may have heard of that's kind of a set sequence so the teacher isn't planning a new class every time they are teaching the same sequence um, they might teach it slightly different or emphasize slightly different things but basically that's the same thing that just gets repeated for years and years and years whereas for the rest of us it's like well we need to come up with a, a class so when I teach, and what Vini Yoga says, is that a class needs to be appropriate for the people in front of you. So for me, that's the very first thing I do. I think, who am I teaching this class to? And I have a variety of classes at the moment, and the students in there have a variety of needs. One is a community class here in Port Chalmers, and there's a wide range of people that come to that class in terms of age, in terms of what they're seeking, and also in terms of their exposure to yoga. So that's a really tricky class to plan for, to be quite honest, because there's a very wide range of needs. 
Also, I have a class that is for over 65s. So that, in many ways, is a lot easier to plan for because there's similarities. It's There's a lot of things that that group of people share. They're kind of there. They've got the same motives. They have um, a lot of physical similarities, and they've had a very similar life experience. They've, they've gone through major periods of their life and have now reached the stage of being 65, and, and most of them are not working. In fact, I'd say all of them are not working. So finding out who you're planning for makes a significant impact on the kind of class that you're going to make. Another thing that Vini Yoga stresses is that it needs to be appropriate for the context. And the context changes in terms of if we think of the seasons. So it's all, it changes. So that's one of the first things I do. And it's often how I plan classes. Like I'm teaching what, six, seven, eight, nine classes a week. I would go crazy if I had to plan nine classes every week because they take quite a long, long time to plan so often I will plan like a bit like batch cooking I will do batch planning and the, the template for that is often the first thing I'll think of is okay what season are we in so say in the moment we're in spring so I will use that as like the foundation for what I'm planning. And I think of the, the general characteristics of spring, what's going on in spring. And, you know, using spring, there's rebirth happening. It's like we're wanting to shrug off some of that heaviness from winter. And so I will consider that when I'm planning the class. Whereas, say, if it was um, in winter, there's a whole different thing going on. We're turning inward. Things are getting physically really cold around us. So the type of yoga and the, the what we do in the class will be heavily influenced by the season. Um, sometimes I was going to say in Dunedin, that can be a little tricky sometimes because <laughs> the seasons are a little bit changeable as we have just sort of had snow and blossom and all sorts of things going on. Um, so from that basis, thinking, who am I teaching this to? What's the season? The other significant thing to consider is what's the time of day? And if you think about what happens in a morning class needs to be really different than what happens in an evening class because of what happens after the class. After a morning class, people are getting off and they're going into the world whether it's to work, to meet friends, to go shopping, have coffee, whatever, they're going to start a day. Whereas in the evening, what's happening after a class is people are going home to wind down and hopefully go home to a good night's sleep. Maybe not immediately, but that is on the agenda for something that will happen after that class. So in the evening, I plan a class very carefully that's not overly stimulating. And whereas in the morning, sometimes it's appropriate to really wake people up and have a stimulating class. So how I tend to look at it next is, for me, it makes sense if I look at it almost like cooking. And so the first thing I want to do when I'm cooking is I, I pull out all my veggies. And depending on what season will 
automatically decide what kind of veggies are there. So I look at the, the asana, which are the positions, kind of as my veggies. So I'm looking for that season, what kind of asana would be appropriate? So say to go give you an example back, if we think of winter, when things are really cooled down and, and things are getting a bit kind of stagnant, perhaps, I would be perhaps looking at an asana, some movement that, that contains some heat in it. And not all of them do. Like when you learn, like I did through my yoga studies, some asana are going to sedate the system and calm it down. And some asana are going to stimulate it and wake it up. And so depending on what I'm trying to overall create will then influence, okay, we're going to do this asana or not. Some will easily match one season and others kind of could go anywhere. So there's a wee bit of um, creative license that goes on there, which is a mixture of exciting but also challenging. <laughs> um, I think like anything creative process, sometimes it flows and sometimes it, it doesn't and I have to keep coming back and back and kind of tweaking and refining it. So once the veggies are sorted, being the asana, it's then time to have a look at the next most important thing, which is what's going with the veggies. We're not just having veggies. I'm going to always add something. So if it was cooking, I'd be adding some kind of um, beans or something with my veggies. So in terms of this metaphor, the next most significant thing is what breath am I using? Well, obviously we're breathing all the time, but in yoga, there's a very, very clear differentiation between your inhale and your exhale. Very different what each one achieves for your body and your mind and your entire system. And they match particular asana as well. So I won't use the fancy words, but if you think of what, what breath would you use to take your hands up to, towards the sun? Even try it now if you're not driving your car. It's like you would you would do it with an inhale. It just wouldn't make sense to do that as you breathe out. Your, your body just wouldn't do that. So that is the breath that goes with a couple of classifications of asana, which are stimulating and waking up and arousing. And if you think, okay, what breath would I use if I bent down to touch my toes? You do it when you're breathing out. So all the asana work like that. They have either you go into them on an inhale or an exhale. And so when we're planning a class or when I'm planning a class, one of the main things I'm doing is all of the asana or the majority of the asana that I put in a particular class are asana that relate to that aspect of the breath in particular. And so that's kind of, that has a very strong effect on the class. So if you go to a class, you possibly wouldn't notice it if you're the person just doing the practice because it would all appear smooth and seamless. But if you go into a class that is what we call Brahmana, which is about inhaling and expanding, the majority of the asana in the, those in that class are going to be ones that you've moved into them on an inhale. And this is going to energize your system. 
And whereas if you went to a class that was had a whole lot of asana in it that um, you went to into on an exhale, you're going to feel very different. You will have kind of soothed your system out. You would have released tension. You would have brought a an aspect of relaxation to yourself simply by choosing those asana that all go together. Whereas if you, before I learned this, I had been teaching oh, for 15 years without this knowledge. So unfortunately, I had no clue. And I was just mixing asana up together that I thought kind of flowed or that I thought were nice or that I thought people would enjoy. But I had real no, no deep understanding of actually what the asana do. So quite what the overall effect of that was, I'm not sure. <laughs> People still enjoyed it and it was still beneficial. But working this way has a far more profound effect on the system. And then there's more. So it's like we can then add, um, start adding sort of spices and flavoring. So the other things that I add to a class is I look at, are we going to be doing a pranayama? So the pranayama are the breathing exercises, kind of slightly misunderstood as that they're just about the breathing. Yes, we use the breathing, but it's to access and influence the underlying, the prana, the energy of the system. Not all classes will have that in them, but it's the possibility to add one into a class. And again, it will need to match the class. So if we've done one that's all about exhaling, the pranayama I would choose would be one that would follow along with that flow of energy. There's quite a few pranayama to choose from. Some are really complicated and some are really simple. So again, it's a moment in class planning to think, am I going for simple or am I going for complicated? And every step of the way, as I add more layers, it's preparing for what is seen as kind of the goal of the class. And again, the goal of the class may not be apparent to the students in the class. I'm not usually explicit about it. It's but the building, the sequencing of the breath and the asana is done in such a way that it eases people into this place where they can experience the goal. Sometimes you might hear the term peak pose. It's kind of like that, but it's not just limited to a pose or an asana. Sometimes the goal of the practice might be a particular pranayama. Sometimes the goal of the practice might be a particular meditation. And so I always know what the goal is once I sort of plan the class. Sometimes I'll even go backwards. I'll have in mind, bearing in mind the season and who I'm teaching in the time of the day, I'll choose the goal. And often that will be like fitting within a, a, a term theme or something. And once I know the goal, I will deconstruct it in some way so that all the things we are doing previously to that in the class are a, a build up so we're not just building up the body that is part of it so if the goal pose is something that sort of 
asks a lot of your knees or something that asks a lot of your hamstrings, the asana that we choose prior to that will be warming up your knees, um, say, or your hamstrings without you knowing it. But that's the right reason that I've chosen those things. And it's also warming up the breath in the particular way. So sometimes we start adding pauses into the breath alongside the movement, knowing that we're heading towards a pranayama that might involve some very long holds or it might have pauses. And all of this sort of comes together in a way that if we think of like a pie diagram, I think they are, like a flow. It's like there's a slow, or a hill is another way to look at it, like a slow build-up. Everything in the class is building to a particular kind of place, the goal. And then there's this careful stage in the class planning where we're easing back down. It's like we don't just suddenly stop but we also don't want to undo any of the benefits of what we've gained on reaching that particular place. So the, the part that kind of comes after the goal pose is to, again, it's body movement or breath or meditation or mantra that's done so that we can make sure that there's no unnecessary tension. If there was any tension built up in the process, that has a chance to, to dissipate and leave the body and the mind. But it's also as a way of kind of stabilizing and sustaining the benefits of your practice. For some people, this, this can be a challenging bit if, we, if I don't do it carefully. Because some people are really not so keen on the idea of being still and quiet it's like they come for a physical practice and it's like done and dusted I want to be finished now and get up off my mat so my goal as the teacher in planning a class is that at, after we've reached the goal there is enough going on for a person so they can remain fairly quiet fairly still just to allow the benefits of the practice to settle so that's sometimes where I will chant two people so they'll just lie still and they're receiving a chant or there's in interior exercises that people are given that are moving the breath or they're using visualization but that part is considered kind of important and is part of the planning so that's how it all happens and the idea is it's almost like you're cooking a meal for someone and you offer it I don't know what the experience is going to be. It's like it's very personal. It's like I'm offering something that has been created and my job is to offer it and explain it in a way that the student can just experience the yoga and they will have their own experience of it. Um, so I hope that's clear. I didn't get to share my favourite chant, did I? I'll do that next week. <laughs> um, so... If you're keen to try a class like this, please check out the uh, website of New Yoga. That's N-U-Y-O-G-A.nz. That's where nearly all of my classes are, unless you happen to live in Port Chalmers. Or I also have a website, the Dunedin Yoga Lady, 
same name as this podcast. That's all one word, the DunedinYogaLady.com. And on there also you can get in touch with me through email if there's things you want to me to talk about on this show or if you have questions about anything I've talked about. So thank you for spending this time with me. I hope that gave you some understanding and insight into how a yoga class may be put together. And I will be here in a fortnight. And I'm not sure what we're going to talk about then. So yeah, feel free to send me suggestions. You've been listening to Kate Bendel the Dunedin Yoga Lady. I'm Kate Bendel, the Dunedin Yoga Lady. Join me every second Tuesday at 10.30 as we explore all things to know about yoga. My passion is to open the doors of this powerful practice to the community and to share that passion with you. The Dunedin Yoga Lady, fortnightly on Tuesdays at 10.30 on ORFM and podcast from oar.org.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.